1963. A friend of my father's asked me and his son to come down to a margin town. Now, mind you, I have a full scholarship at Villanova, mm -hmm. right? But I got this feeling. Don't know why. So I go. I get down there. Want to organize and see two six four black kids, and they're like, "Oh, do you guys want to help with security?" <laughs> so now we're the fruits of Islam. They take us down there. They throw us up on stage, right on the podium. There's cameras. One of the boosters has to be a clan member. I, you know. But this voice kept telling me I should stay, and I'm there five hours, and I'm just sweating like, oh. And then I saw the last speaker's speech. We walked off stage. I said to him, I said, hey, that was the best speech I ever heard. He said, thank you, young man. He takes the speech, he folds it up, and he puts it in my pocket. Later, I'm looking for my favorite line. It's not in there. Then I notice the whole second half of the speech is completely different. What was the line you were looking for? I have a dream. Come on, I have a dream. You have that? Yeah. See, the first half, he noticed the audience wasn't with him. And he changed the whole thing, made the whole speech up right there on the spot. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up that, open up the, the show with that scene, another scene from the movie Air. I also used that uh, that movie last week. Uh, in this scene, uh, George Raveling is telling the story of how he uh, was a college kid on a scholarship and got asked to use asked to asked him and his friend to to be security at this uh, rally going on in the summer of '63, and uh, and was completely moved by the speech that Martin Luther King gave. And I watched the movie and I, and I heard that story and, and he says, you know, hey, you know, I was so moved by it. And then he, he gave me the speech. And when I read it, that 
that phrase I couldn't see it anywhere and that he just wrote that he wrote the thing as as he was there hey I'm halfway through the speech and and the audience wasn't wasn't reacting so he just wrote the thing and started with his I have a dream speech and you know what and I and I thought about that I say you know what if you're that inspirational of a person you can move people and you can move people by just talking from your heart and as we as we listen to all these all these uh, potential presidential candidates, and we're going to talk about them uh, in the show today. You know what? It's all the same thing. They're all saying the same the same lines. In fact, uh, this morning before I came down to record the show, I came out of the bathroom upstairs, and my wife's watching TV downstairs, and we have kind of a, a our upstairs overlooks on our living room downstairs, and and I hear the someone on TV saying, you know, our world is facing problems that that we've never seen before and we have to deal with them and I'm and I'm going oh is somebody else announcing for president and she goes no it's a commercial it's all the same stuff our world is our world is you know our country's swirling around the toilet bowl it's going down we all know that we're all looking for someone to inspire us remember the movie uh um Jerry Maguire hey you know what I just want someone to inspire me that uh Renee Zellweger says to uh, Tom Cruise, "I just, I loved your, I loved your, uh, your mission statement. I just, I just want somebody that inspires me, and that's what we're looking for. And remember when Trump announced his, uh, announced his candidacy in 2015, he was saying stuff that we never heard before. Hey, you know what? The people coming across the border are not, not Mexico's brightest and best." We're getting the people they want out, the people coming out of jail, the rapists, the criminals. And hey, you know what? This was so controversial. Everybody, everybody on the left was saying, "Oh, I can't believe he would say such such racist things." But you know what? He struck a he struck a nerve in America because we were all thinking the same thing. Hey, this guy sees it. This guy sees it happening. And you know what? As as we get more and more people announcing they're going to run for president, and and especially the guy who's in the White House, talk about uninspiring. Talk about, un, you know, I just, I'm just listening. I'm just going, you know, it's just so tiring. It's so tiring listening to the same thing over and over. And we're going to talk about that in details, and hopefully my show won't be so tiring, but I'm going to point some stuff out that, that, uh, that I see, and maybe you've been thinking about. Maybe you're listening to it. Maybe you're watching it, and you're going, and eh, just... I like this guy, but I'm just not moved, and I'm going to point it out why. So uh, that song was We Don't Need Another Hero from the movie Mad Max. Thunderdome, uh, the late Tina Turner, we lost her on Wednesday. On Wednesday, died at the age of 83 in Switzerland, where apparently she lived. And, uh, you know, uh, I wanted to use the movie, the, the, I wanted to use the song that was my first introduction to Tina Turner from the movie Tommy, uh, The Acid Queen, which uh, if you've not seen the rock opera Tommy, where the, it's basically the whole album of Tommy and uh, put into a movie and, you know, it's, Hey, you know, the, the pinball wizard came out with Elton John and then, Hey, this is a rock opera by the who. And, uh, you know, the whole movie is rock and roll songs telling the story and, uh, and talk about, uh, larger than, larger than life colors and graphics and stuff going on in there. Apparently, uh, apparently I wasn't introduced to, uh, you know, acid, uh, which, uh, apparently, uh, gets you into that kind of a mood, but 
you know, 14 years old sitting in a movie theater going, wow, who is this Tina Turner? Man, she's 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 cool. And, you know, one thing about Tina Turner is she never wanted to be identified as a black person. She was just a person. She was a she was a soul singer and she was awesome. She was a unique talent. And uh, hey, we will she will for sure be someone that no one ever forgets. So uh, rest in peace, Tina Turner. Uh, you will not be forgotten. So, uh, so like I said, I'm going to go into the, the the new candidates this week, and uh, anything else that I can think of that uh, needs to be discussed that happened this week. But before I do, let me introduce introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman. I'm with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because it's too personal, then go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo and uh, put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle, whether that's to uh, refinance a piece of property that you own or whether it's uh, to purchase a piece of property you'd like to own, whether that's in California or another state, and, or uh, you want to check out one of those reverse mortgage things that uh, help you uh, bridge the gap between, I've got more years left than I have money, uh, but I have equity in my house. How can I, how can I use that to my advantage? Call me or go to edhoffman.net and uh, click on the United American Mortgage logo. If there's any part of the show you want repeated, stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also uh, get the, the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe for free. And uh, every week I record on Friday mornings and we upload it Friday afternoon and it will download to your device shortly thereafter and you can listen to it on demand um if you have comments on the show send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net okay so uh let's talk about let's go chronologically this week uh from his hometown of north north charleston south carolina senator tim scott announced his run for republican presidential nomination in a 40-minute speech on monday dressed like the my pillow guy and i don't understand this as i know i know ties aren't aren't as traditional as they as they once were people are are uh, you know put on a jacket without a tie but uh you know tim scott came came uh, to a rally dressed in his uh, in the my pillow guy's blue shirt uh didn't have his cross hanging out like my mike lindell does but i'm thinking hey i'm running for president of the united states put on a tie put on a suit look presidential while you're doing it um and i like tim scott i'm not i'm not criticizing tim scott as a person just that hit me when I'm watching. I go, why is he dressed as the My Pillow guy when he's announcing uh, his candidacy? Scott, who has served in the Senate since 2013, is the seventh African American elected to the Senate and the fourth Black Republican senator in U.S. history. Since uh, you know, since everyone wants to uh, define everything as race, you know, does that matter? No, but since Democrats want race to matter for candidates on their side, figured we'd mention it. Mention uh, mention it before they do. Uh, Scott portrays himself as a true conservative with a positive life story that can inspire Americans, especially in a time when too many have gotten accustomed to handouts. Well, my grandfather said to me, son, you can be bitter or you can be better, but you can't be both. You see, he chose patriotism over pity. And today 
I'm living proof that America is the land of opportunity and not a land of oppression. I want my story to pale in comparison to your stories. As president, I will motivate, inspire, and require every able-bodied citizen to take responsibility and go to work. My mom's work ethic taught me that there is dignity in all work. And that's why I know if you are able-bodied, you work, period. Everybody should go to work if you can. You know, it almost sounds like me saying, hey, you know what, this, you know, if you, sh- you should be working, you shouldn't be sitting back and taking handouts. And, uh, and I agree with what he said. But, you know, when he says, hey, I'm living proof, you know, who's living proof that, that America's land of opportunity and not land of oppression was Barack Obama. And Barack Obama could have been a great president had he come out saying the things that Tim Scott just said. Hey, you know, I'm living proof that this is the land of opportunity, not not the land of oppression, and that it's proof that I was elected by by white Americans and black Americans, so it proves that we're not a racist nation and we should just dispel all that. But Obama didn't didn't recognize that because he instead he said, "Hey, now that I'm here, we're going to get some payback." But uh, but that's a, that's how Tim Scott started out. Here's uh, more from Tim Scott on the left's convoluted ideas about our country. America is the greatest nation on God's green earth. And our greatness doesn't come from politicians. Doesn't come from the government. It comes from we the people. We the people. And for those of you who wonder if America is a racist country, take a look. And how people come together. All of God's people come together. Black ones and white ones, red ones and brown ones, working together. We live in the land of opportunity. We live in the land where it is absolutely possible for a kid raised in poverty, in a single parent household, in a small apartment, to one day serve in the people's house and maybe even the White House. You know, pretty much the same as every other speech. You know, if that, if that, if that story, hey, here's a guy who was raised in poverty, single parent family, and uh, and he's he's serving and serving in the people's house, and maybe even the White House. If that inspires you, read my book, Experience Matters. Here's mine. I was raised in a in a two parent house, but poverty, and I was in a, in a house that probably would have been better if it was a single parent house. But you know, if that story, that story is a uh, uh, is a is a story of story of told many times by many people, and again, I like Tim Scott. I think he I think he uh, uh, is a is a good politician. I think he's a good man. Um, just not sure that the speech inspires me. Scott discussed the effect of Biden's presidency on America's work ethic, respect for law enforcement, and public safety before his initial official announcement. But under. 
President Biden, our nation is retreating away from work and dignity. Millions and millions of people have dropped out of the workforce entirely. And the share of working age men choosing to work is the lowest it has ever been. That is pathetic. But not on my watch. Not on my watch. That won't work. I cannot stand by while this is done to America. Our nation, our values, and our people are strong. But our president is weak. And in Biden's America, crime is on the rise and law enforcement is in retreat. The far left is ending cash bails. They're demonizing, demoralizing, and defunding the police. We cannot have innocent people at risk, police officers getting ambushed and attacked, and seniors locked in their homes from the time the sun goes down until the sun comes up. Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States of America! That was such a surprise. Such a surprise, that dramatic climax. I'm running for president of the United States of America. You know, I 100% agree with, with what he's talking about. 100% agree with it. And we'll talk, we'll talk about the other guy who announced here in a few minutes. Um, but, but all the things he's talking about, how, how, uh, how we're letting criminals out and how uh, the the cops are are in are in uh, retreat, and how people don't want to work, and all the things they're all true, and we should be talking about that. And and I like that part of his speech, um, but but pay attention and see how the how the the media, the left wing media, and the and the Democrats just want to want to keep us talking about other stuff. They're trying to throw us off bringing up racist stuff and and book banning and uh, hey we're gonna we're gonna let the we're gonna let the uh we're gonna let uh, america default on our debts and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and and they try to keep us unfocused on the things that are really important like this isn't our country anymore you can't go to the grocery store at night without carrying a gun i don't i never let my wife go go to the grocery store by herself Pretty much almost any time, but absolutely, absolutely never at dark. Not in California. When we're in Arizona or when we're in uh, Montana at where our other two houses are, um, it's, a di- it's a whole different environment. But, it's, uh, but in California, no way. You know, when people move it out of California, they're not, they're not moving because of, uh, because of the high taxes. They're moving because of the crime. And it's, it's just ugly out there. It's ugly out there. And, and Tim Scott is... Uh, is talking about it. Here's what Tim Scott promises to do on the border. On my first day as commander in chief, the strongest nation on earth will stop retreating from our southern border. If you don't control your back door, it's not your house. 
And if our southern border is unsafe and insecure, it's not our country. Hundreds of people on our terrorist watch list are crossing our borders. Chinese nationals are flooding into Mexico to break in. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are doing nothing when 70,000 Americans lose their lives to fentanyl. The left shut down our schools and churches in the name of slowing a virus, but they won't secure the border to protect our families from fentanyl. When I am president, the drug cartels using Chinese labs and Mexican factories to kill Americans will cease to exist. I will freeze their assets, I will build the wall, and I will allow the world's greatest military to fight these terrorists because that's exactly what they are. You know what I like? The, I like the facts he's pointing out and I like the solutions he has. Freeze their assets, build the wall, send the military to the border. But I think I've, I think I've heard that before and I think I know someone who has a, has a, uh, a track record for actually acting on it, just saying it, and his name is Donald J. Trump. So uh, where is Tim Scott polling right now? For that, we go to the polling experts at a company called 538, which represents the 538 electors in the Electoral College. According to them, Senator Scott is just barely on the map as a presidential candidate, while Ron DeSantis is largely viewed as Trump's top opponent. Indeed, not all polls ask about Scott. But when he is discussed, Republican voters usually rank him far behind Trump and DeSantis, among a handful of others. According to 538 analysis of multi-candidate ballot tests that include Trump, Scott has never netted more than 4% of the vote share. And in the past month, he's been overtaken in the polls by Vivek Ramaswamy, an entrepreneur with no, with no prior political experience. As of last week, Scott polls even lower than that, never hitting more than 2% and averaging at 1%, according to 538. Um, I have all the numbers here. I won't go over them. Here's NPR. National Public Radio says, Scott joins South Carolina's former governor, Nikki Haley, who declared her candidacy in February. Both are very popular in their home state, which which matters because the South Carolina primary is the first in the South and often sets a candidate on a path for nomination. But even in South Carolina, both still trail Trump by a wide margin. Trump's support sometimes tops 40 or even 50 percent. The first caucuses and primaries are still more than eight months away, so candidates looking to gain on Trump still have some time. So there's there's a lot of road to go. After a speech, Senator Scott was asked if he would support whoever the Republican nominee is. I'm going to be the nominee. So the good news is I will, of course, support myself. And I look forward to making sure that I continue to have a conversation with the American people about an optimistic, positive message that's anchored in conservatism. Everyone who's running for president assumes they're going to win. I at least hope that they do. And I'm looking forward to being the nominee. I honestly don't think he really believes that. I think uh, Tim Scott is uh, uh, like Larry Elder and like Nikki Haley. Um, is basically either running for a uh, position as vice president because we know that Trump won't pick Pence again um, um, or they're trying to get momentum they're trying to get momentum up for 2028 um, I just don't think there's I just don't I don't think there's any I don't think these people those ones have a chance just like Asa Hutchinson doesn't have a chance and Vivek Ramaswamy doesn't either Uh, Scott did pick up one key endorsement as he begins his campaign. John Thune of South Dakota, the number two Republican in the Senate, the the minority whip. 
The buzz is that Tim Scott isn't running for president, just like I just said. He's running for vice president or a cabinet position. Trump posted on Truth Social, Tim Scott's presidential presidential launch, even with the broken microphone, was the best of the week. In other words, Trump clearly doesn't see him as a threat, and they are friendly. So who knows? Who knows what could happen? Um, and I think, and I think, like I said, I think, uh, I think um, it's going to come down to Trump or DeSantis, and we're going to talk about DeSantis in the second half. Um, and it's, uh, and I think these guys are are getting their name on the map, so everybody has a chance to to uh, see them. And so, 2028, when when the next election comes up and Trump is is getting out, that we'll see, uh, we'll they'll they'll have name recognition, they'll have national uh, national awareness. Their names will everybody will know who they are, and we'll have seen them act in whatever their positions are. Um, typically, a lot of the a lot of the popular presidential candidates end up in the cabinet, and uh, and and I and I like Tim Scott. I like Tim Scott as well as I like uh, as I like Ron DeSantis, and I like Larry Elder, and I like Nikki Haley. I just don't think they have a chance this time, and uh, that's my opinion. I could be wrong, but I'm not. Um, and we know and we know that you know there's no way that Trump's going to put Mike Pence in there, and I don't think Mike Pence is gonna is gonna run. I was kind of hoping that. Uh, Ron DeSantis wouldn't either, um, but you know what? Uh, I've come to the conclusion this is all about money. It's all about money. As soon as you say you're running, you're you're raising all this cash, and somehow all this campaign cash finds its way into the candidates' pockets and uh, and other places that maybe shouldn't be. But uh, anyway, I'll talk a lot about that more in the second half. So uh, don't go away. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, commercials, and sports, and we'll be right back with. The other candidacy announcement this week. I knew a man called him Sandy Kane. You folks even knew his name. But a hero, yes, was he Left boy, come back man Still many just don't understand About the reasons we are free I can't forget the look in his eyes Or the tears he cried said these words to me All gave some Some gave all Some stood through for the red, white, and blue And some had to fall And if you ever think of me all your liberties and recall And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't often talk about real estate and finance, but uh, if you uh, are thinking about considering some changes in your real estate finance, 
uh, strategy. You want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo. So I open up open up part two with uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, Some Gave All. Uh, remember this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Memorial Day weekend is the time that we uh, remember those who died for, uh, for our freedom and for the liberties that we enjoy in the United States. It's, uh, it wasn't it wasn't specifically uh, uh, declared a national holiday so that we could start the summer out and have barbecues and uh, and uh, and drink beers besides Bud Light. Um, but you know, it's time for us to remember those who gave their lives. And uh, when you think about the uh, the the words of Tim Scott in the first half, you know, hey, where did our uh, where did our liberties come from? Our liberties didn't come from we the people. Our liberties came from you know, and and I say, hey, our freedoms are are endowed to us by God, but you know, what our 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 liberties are given to us by those who died to fight for our country. And I think uh, there's a lot less people that would be willing to to take arms and fight for our country today than there were in the old days because we were a different country than than we were then. And I'd like to believe that when tyranny starts taking over that uh, the millions and millions and millions of people here that own guns will will bear their arms and will fight before we let uh, before we let this country uh, uh, be taken over like as a communist nation because it's we're heading in that direction and think and think about everything the country does you know they're trying to take our they're trying to to make us more dependent when you think about all the people who think they're going to get reparations and say, hey, you know what, uh, the government needs to give me 500000 The government needs to give me $5 million. I've heard all these different numbers. And, uh, and you realize the politicians that bring that up want to make you more dependent, less, less, less in control of your own lives. You know, as long as, long as uh, the government's giving you a million dollars or half a million dollars or $5 million, whatever it is, most of those recipients will be broken a year anyway. And then they won't know what to do. You know, look at how many people don't know how to work. Because and I and I told I talked to family members and I said, you know, during COVID, I'm saying, hey, you know, the problem is is they're paying everybody regular unemployment plus an extra six hundred dollars a week. So many people are going to forget how to work. They're going to forget how to work. And when this all stops, you know, having the alarm clock go off and and pop out of bed, jump in the shower, wake up, pull on your clothes. And put your game face on and go to work, and uh, and work for work for to work to to earn money to pay your own bills and to live your lifestyle. So many people are going to get out of practice, and they're never going to get that back. And and understand when when uh, when the president, when uh, the governor of California, when all those people are are uh, discussing giving away free money, that's exactly what they're trying to do is is keep you dependent. You know, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're going to uh, give you all this student loan uh, uh, relief. We're gonna pay off your student loans. No, they're not. It's not fair. It's not fair, and it's and it's not right. And the more, the more the government gives out. And you know, I have a, I talked to a a rep from one of the investors that we sell loans to, and and we were talking about the rates, and uh, and this guy's trying to get business from me, and. Uh, and uh, we're talking about the rates. And he's like, well, you know, once this debt ceiling thing gets settled, you're going to see the bond market react positively and the rates are going to go down. But, you know, that Republican in California just is 
making such unreasonable demands on the on the president that he thinks he thinks he's doing the right thing, but it's he's never going to get elected again. And I'm going, what is what is he asking for? Uh, give back the money that was assigned for COVID that uh, hasn't been spent. Uh, bring that back in. Uh, you know, unhire eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents. Uh, you know, some of that stuff. I don't know about you, but I, I listen to the radio and I listen to the and I watch TV and I hear these commercials about people saying, hey, you know, if you own a business and you were had a business during covid, uh, you can get up to twenty six thousand dollars relief from uh, from Uncle Sam and tax relief, even if you got PPP. Go. Why is that? I even have a friend of mine that knows that he knows that that I wouldn't take that money. He goes, hey, I know you're not. He, sent me a, he sent me a a text and he goes, hey, I know you're not about taking money from the government giving out handouts, but have you checked this program out? I just didn't even, re- I didn't even reply to him. It's like, hey, why would I, why would I do that? You know, the, everybody in the mortgage business was, was making more money than ever because the rates were so low during that time. And I see people take, taking these handouts from the government. It just nauseates me. And now apparently all that money that, that uh, Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans are saying, hey, all this money that's allocated, let's bring it back into our treasury. Let's cut this off from spending it. Instead, they're trying to give it away. They got these lawyers out there trying to, they're charging you a percentage so they can help you get this claim in. This isn't right. This isn't right at all. So anyway, uh, uh, anyway, so I'm going to get into I'm going to get into the rest of what's going on this week and the second announcement. And you know, it's just you know, be aware, be aware when you see this stuff on TV. Follow the bouncing ball. Follow the money. Follow the logic. Follow the common sense. Listen to my show. Listen to Fox News. Listen to Newsweek or Newsmax. Listen to uh, to CNN and PMS, NBC. And then before you make a decision, just close your eyes and think about your life. And say, how much of this stuff makes sense? How much of this makes sense? My credit cards are up to limit. I'm out of money. I can't pay the payments. What's the solution? Open more credit cards? Well, that doesn't make much sense. But that's what the Democrats are about. So anyway, let's let's get on. Just keep your keep your brain open and keep your uh, keep your eyes open and pay attention. So to no one's surprise, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced his candidacy this week as well. DeSantis has played it coy for many months on whether he would enter the race, and now we know why he needed to build up a war chest. Of course, Florida also has this uh, resign-to-run law in Florida, which they just overturned, um, which says basically if you're if you're in office and you want to run for a for a uh, for a, an office national or in another state, you have to resign to run. I'm not really sure how that works because. Um, Rick Scott was the governor and he ran for Senate and he was still in office. And now, so I'm not really sure if there's any consistency here, but um, that could have been it. But uh, the other side of the coin is, is uh, uh, Ron DeSantis wanted to build up a war chest. War chest from the New York Times. DeSantis is likely to start with more money in an outside group than any other Republican primary candidate in history. He has more than $80 million expected to be transferred from his state account to his super PAC which says he's already raised $40 million in addition to having tens of millions more in donor commitments. Yeah, commitments, pledges. Is that like what uh, Amber Heard said? She's donating $7 million from her divorce settlement. Of course, she hasn't paid anybody, but she pledged it over the rest of her life. Um, 
So now he's not he's not guaranteed to get that eighty million dollars. It's actually eighty six million, and here's why: more than more from the New York Times, a state political action committee that supported DeSantis's campaigns for governor, known until this month as Friends of Deron DeSantis, is sitting on eighty six million dollars. Federal law prohibits transferring that money to his presidential campaign because it was raised under looser state campaign finance laws. You know what I think? I think that if you donate to a campaign and you know they collect every piece of information on every donation that they bring in, if if you donate to the campaign and the campaign's over and it's not spent, give it back to the donors and let them decide who to, who to put it towards. But that's just me. Still, some of DeSantis's allies believe that they can transfer the money to a federal super PAC that supports him by changing the name and the mission of Friends of Ron DeSantis. Some campaign finance experts argue that this would still be illegal, and the Campaign Legal Center watchdog group has said it will file a complaint with the Federal Election Committee if that plan moves forward. So on May 15th, nine days before DeSantis entered the presidential race, Friends of Ron DeSantis filed paperwork with the Florida Division of Elections to change its name to, quote, Empower Parents, end quote. A rebranding that represents its broader organization unaffiliated with Ron DeSantis. Can you say money laundering? I mean, this is this is how it is, folks. I mean, hey, it was called Ron, uh, Friends of Ron DeSantis. All these people donated to help him become governor again. And now they're going to take that $86 million and change the name of it to Empower Parents. Reminds me of Black Lives Matter. You know, if you went to Black Lives Matter, hey, well, I want to I wanna support that, that organization, Black Lives Matter, because Black Lives do matter. You click on the, the donate, and it takes you to a website called Act Blue. And what does Act Blue do? Donates to Democrat candidates. So what if you're a black Republican and you say, hey, I want to support uh, Black Lives Matter because I believe Black Lives Matter, and you're a Republican. You click on the donate button, don't pay attention to what website it's taking to you, and you just donated to the Democrat Party, which is uh, should be should be an ethics violation, but certainly all this stuff is seems like money laundering to me. These efforts to scrub the committee of visible connections to DeSantis strike at the heart of legal questions. As I said, it sounds like sounds like what Biden's doing with, hey, let's create these these corporations and this Chinese uh, the Chinese government is sending uh, money to this uh, China whatever it was, but somehow those uh, then that that China that China whatever the thing was called for the Biden family transfers you know they get three million dollars in and they send 1.3 million of it over to uh, 12 different Biden family members. That's called money laundering. They're trying to uh, to transfer it here, transfer it there, transfer it there, so you can't can't easily see where the money's coming from and where it's going to, but it's not that hard to figure out. Interesting, because this kind of thing happens with Democrats all the time, and no one bats an eye. Let's look at this Bloomberg headline from January 21. Dark money helped pave Joe Biden's path to the White House. President Joe Biden benefited from a record-breaking amount of donations from anonymous donors to outside groups backing him, meaning the public will never have a full accounting of who helped him win the White House. So it says, from anonymous donors to outside groups backing him. So these outside, these anonymous donors donated to outside groups that weren't necessarily the Biden campaign, and then they donated to the Biden campaign. Uh, Biden's winning campaign was backed by $145 million in so-called dark money donations, 
a type of fundraising Democrats have decried for years. Those fund fundraising schemes augmented Biden's $1.5 billion haul in itself a record for a challenger to an incumbent president. So in other words, a bunch of propaganda about something, uh, some, some things and who knows that, that spur people to donate and who knows where the money's going. And then, but it's some 501c3. So you know what? You donate it, you get a tax write-off because it's a 501c3 because... You know, somebody filed the papers so they could be a a, a a a nonprofit organization. So you get a tax tax write off, and where does that money go? We don't know. But you know what? What I often wonder is when you go to a professional football game, and you buy a ticket to go see the Raiders or the Rams or whoever else is the 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 uh, the team du jour. Do you get a tax write off for that because the NFL is a five hundred one c three? It's the most profitable nonprofit ever. On Tuesday, Elon Musk confirmed that DeSantis would would make his campaign announcement via an audio-only interview on Twitter Spaces, a live stream feature that allows anyone with more than 600 followers to host a public conversation. This doesn't make sense to me to make an announcement that you're running for president on an audio-only platform. Why would you do it where you're not on video? Doesn't make sense to me, and uh, you know maybe Ron DeSantis wants to do something new and new and exciting, and you know be the be the edge of technology. But it doesn't make sense to me. Wednesday at 3 p.m., a panel of Twitter employees took took the space live, but there were heavy glitches before DeSantis came on, and Twitter employees were heard having a live conversation about it in front of 50,000 users. Oh, and uh, the whole thing crashed for about 20 minutes. Pretty embarrassing, and you would think you're trying something new. Let's give it a test run just to make sure it works before uh, before you know you know half the country is 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 uh, anticipating this so you know a whole bunch of people are going to log on. Make sure it works right before you do it. Of course, uh, you know Elon Musk didn't mind blowing up a blowing up a rocket just to test to see if it worked. Luckily, he didn't put any people in that rocket. Um, you know when he announced when he uh, sent that big superpower uh, rocket uh, last month. Um, so maybe this was another one of those things on Twitter. Um, both Trump and the White House took advantage. Uh, Donald Trump uh, put out a uh, post on uh, Truth Social. Wow, the DeSanctus Twitter launch is a disaster. His whole campaign will be a disaster. Watch. And then, of course, Joe Biden, which means Joe Biden's people put this out because I don't think Joe Biden knows what a tweet is. He posted the Biden-Harris, let's finish the job uh, logo with uh, with uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, uh, you know, back to back, putting uh, an airhead looking brainless smile on. Um, uh, and they they posted it, posted this link works. Of course, any opportunity to encourage people to donate is uh, is good enough for them. After a half an hour of chaos, Twitter finally smoothed out the glitches and got DeSantis on live stream. Here's his announcement. I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes and we feel it in our bones. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. The federal government's making it harder for the average family to make ends meet and to attain and maintain a middle class lifestyle. I don't think it has to be this way. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we should choose a new direction, a path that will lead to American revitalization. 
We must end the culture of losing that has infected the Republican Party in recent years. The tired dogmas of the past are inadequate for a vibrant future. We must look forward, not backwards. We need the courage to lead, and we must have the strength to win. And to voters who are participating in this primary process, my pledge to you is this. If you nominate me, you can set your clock to January 20th, 2025 at high noon, because on the west side of the U.S. Capitol, I will be taking the oath of office as the 47th president of the United States. No excuses. I will get the job done. Well, I like Ron DeSantis, but I just thought it was uninspiring. You know, hey, we got to get rid of this culture of losing. I think I think what needs to be stopped is the culture of cheating on the Democrat side. And if the Democrats are going to use legal methods to cheat, then the Republicans got to get better at that. But I don't think it's a culture of losing that we have in the Republican Party. We just need to get it together, together. And this and this uh, whole event was an interview. So then the Twitter panel asked the governor to respond to the NAACP's stupid and fake warning to black Americans that Florida isn't safe for them. Claiming that Florida is unsafe is a total farce. I mean, are you kidding me? You look at cities around this country, they are awash in crime. In Florida, our crime rate is at a 50-year low. You look at the top 25 cities for crime in America, Florida does not have a single one amongst the top 25. And if you look at cities like Baltimore and Chicago, you got kids more likely to get shot than to receive a first-class education. Yet I don't see the NAACP batting an eye about all the outrage and the carnage that's happening in those areas. So this is a political stunt. These left-wing groups have been doing it for many, many years. And at the end of the day, what they're doing is colluding with legacy media to try to manufacture a narrative. Now, the good news is, is fewer and fewer Americans are gullible enough to believe this dribble. And oh, by the way, have any of these travel advisories, because they've been doing this for, for a while, all these left-wing groups, have any of them worked? Well, we're the number one state for net in-migration and have been every year since I've been governor. We just capped the highest quarter for tourism in the history of the state of Florida. And our view is we want everybody to succeed regardless of their skin color. We don't divvy up people by race. At the same time, it is worth pointing out that we have in Florida more Black-owned businesses than any state in the nation. Uh, and we've also had more African-Americans lead state agencies under my administration than at any time in Florida history. But with us, you know they're there because of merit, not because we're trying to play identity politics. And oh, by the way, the head of the NAACP lives in Florida, and a lot of their board members have put out on social media during my governorship, Florida vacations, where they seem to be having an awful good time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, America In America, the whole way of life is, is a political stunt, and it's all a money grab. I think uh, basically everybody who's getting in this race that doesn't have a chance in hell of, uh, of getting the nomination. It's all a money grab because all this political money, for some reason, doesn't go back to the donors when the campaign's over. They don't spend it all, and somehow it just gets used up for something. I don't know what. By the time the Twitter event ended, there were more than 270,000 listeners. One of the moderators asked Governor DeSantis for the truth on the left's accusation that he's banning books and doesn't want schools to teach black history in Florida. So the whole book ban thing is a hoax. There's not been a single book banned in the state of Florida. You can go buy or, or use whatever book you want. 
What we have done is empowered parents with the ability to review the curriculum, to know what books are being used in school, and then to ensure that those books match state standards and are age and developmentally appropriate. So, for example, uh, parents have flagged books in schools that, uh, for example, teach middle school kids how to use sex apps uh, that provide graphic depictions of sex acts and sex toys for people as young as fifth grade. And so clearly that is not appropriate uh, to be in a middle school classroom. And so parents object and, and the schools take them out. Um, I did a press conference that we called Exposing the Book Ban Hoax. And before I had the parents come up, before I spoke, I just played the video that had the images of the books that the parents had objected being in their kid's classroom. And the local news had to cut the feed because they said it was too graphic. Well, if it's too graphic for the six o'clock news, how is it okay for a sixth grader or a fifth grader? And so nothing's being banned. They're basically ensuring that we make curation choices uh, that are consistent with state standards. And on the, the, the racial history, we eliminated critical race theory from our K through 12 schools. That was the right thing to do. In other words, we're not going to take a kid who comes in um, at six years old and say they're an oppressor or oppressed based on what their race is. That's divisive. That's wrong. We're also not going to be teaching people uh, to hate their country. But what we are going to do is teach the accurate history. So in the same bill that banned critical race theory, we required teaching thoroughly about racial discrimination that occurred in American history. And Florida's history standards require all of those subjects uh, from slavery, reconstruction, segregation, all of that to be taught, uh, and we'll continue to do that. So I think what you see is the, the left and the media colluding on this. They don't want to actually defend what it is that we are actually legislating or regulating, uh, so they create these hoaxes that somehow you don't want to, kids to learn uh, that slavery existed in America, which is preposterous. You know what, uh, this all seems so common sense to me, and uh, what he doesn't see, and why I think Trump will be the nominee, and until Trump drops out, I'm Trump all the way, um, is that the left asks these questions to divert everybody's attention. Instead of talking about all the stuff that Biden's doing to destroy America and, and the solutions for it, he's playing defense defending against hey you said that uh you're not going to teach black history hey you're banning books hey you're doing this hey you're doing that hey it's not safe for black people there they keep him on the race thing and he spends his whole time defending himself over over bs accusations that the left puts out there while he's not talking about hey we need to close we need to close the border this isn't safe for anybody we don't know who's coming into this country hey we need to open up drilling across this country so our price of gas goes down and so we're not dependent on on china and other countries for our energy hey we need to start uh start building things in america so we're not dependent on china for for toilet paper and and toys and and drugs and all this kind of stuff that we need he keeps getting off the subject because he's defending defending himself himself and what i know about trump is trump doesn't fall for that stuff and he and he gets right back on the track of what he wants to talk about hey anyway i'm out of time for this episode of the main event so uh thanks for listening my name's ed hoffman and i'll be back again with you next week